Welcome to the Co-op Power Hour on KGNU's It's the Economy. I'm Jason Weiner, a co-op attorney and developer here in Boulder, Colorado, and we join you on the fourth Thursday of every month to learn about economic democracy and the cooperative business model. My co-host this week is Nathan Schneider. Hi, Jason. Nice to have you back. Always glad to be on. The Co-op Power Hour is a production of the Colorado Cooperative Study Circle, which you can learn more about at our website, coloradocoops.info. Today, we're talking about Colorado cooperatives and agriculture. We're joined by two cooperators working at both poles of scale, Jason Bransell, CEO and president of Agfinity, and Brian Scott, co-founder and, and CEO of 63rd Street Farm. Jason has been the CEO and president of Agfinity for about two and a half years, before which he was the CFO and executive vice president of Landmark Services Cooperative. Agfinity is one of the largest farmer-rancher-owned agricultural cooperatives in the state and is more than 110 years old. Agfinity is a purchasing cooperative that offers energy, automotive, retail, feed, agronomy, turf, and technology solutions to its members. Brian Scott co-founded 63rd Street Farm almost 10 years ago in unincorporated Boulder County. The farm grows and raises produce, poultry, pork, eggs, and a variety of other products for more than 300 families through its CSA program. The farm follows permaculture principles and has been a pioneer in local and sustainable agriculture. The farm is now embarking on a project to start a multi-stakeholder cooperative to grow its product offerings and its member base. I think it's great that we have these two together this morning because so often people uh, you know, when they hear the word co-op, they have one image in their head. And usually it's either something really big, so big that it's kind of unwieldy and beyond their control, something like an REI or a Agfinity or a CHS, you know, another very, very large ag co-op in this country. Uh, or it's something very small uh, or medium-sized, something that's very community-based, and they don't see that it actually is a model that can scale. So uh, here we see two different models, uh, two different uh, kind of scaling approaches, uh, and we get to see how this co-op model works uh, in both contexts. Yeah, I'm really excited. You know, at Colorado Agriculture in particular, uh, homesteading and the rural lifestyle have been the economic backbone of the state and really have defined our heritage and our, cult our culture here. Um, doing some quick research, I discovered that Colorado agriculture generates more than $41 billion in economic activity for the state and employs more than 173,000 people. And that production agriculture happens to be one of the primary um, economic engines for the state. Uh, and most of our agricultural production actually gets exported outside the state. We're a net exporter of, of ag. Um, and at the same time, much of that activity is happening outside the urban corridor where many Coloradans just don't see and interact with um, the kind of engine of our economy here. So I'm really excited to have both of our guests. And at the same time, it's great to rediscover the cooperative roots of agriculture in our state. Um, much of the heritage of agriculture has been to self-organize, uh, to support communities, provide mutual aid and assistance, and to engage in self-help for the purpose of supporting rural communities, supporting farming lifestyle, and the rural livelihood um, that has, again, generated so much activity and so much uh, vitality for, for the state. But at the same time, this is an industry in transition. I think this is a really interesting time to be talking about agriculture. Um, the average age of the American farmer is over 58 years old in America, 
and in more than two in the next two decades millions of acres of farmland and ranch land will undergo ownership transitions and so i think it's particularly important that we focus in on business models that can support independent farm ownership and farm preservation well our guest today will help us unpack these issues and i'm really delighted to have you both jason and brian on the show so i'd like to start and better understand the context for Agfinity and for 63rd Street Farm. And Jason, I'll start with you. Tell us the story. How did Agfinity start? It was founded in 1905. There's got to be so much rich history there. There is rich history, and, and thanks for having me today. Uh, the, the story behind Agfinity, uh, as you mentioned, it began in 1905 when 20 potato farmers invested $100 each to do collectively what they couldn't do individually, which was source crop inputs for their potato crop and then market their potato crop. So that was the origin of Agfinity. And that's evolved over time. There have been periods of reinvention for Agfinity as a cooperative and expansion of the business. And today we operate, uh, our southernmost location is in Henderson, Colorado, and northernmost location is north of Eaton, Colorado. So we have assets in 22 different locations to serve member needs. Our core businesses are feed, grain, agronomy, and energy. And, uh, and we send out about 4,000 statements a month to customers. So we do, we have a wonderful customer base. Many of those are members. Some of those are non-members. You don't have to be a member of Agfinity to do business with the cooperative. And do you know why when the company was started, the members, the founders decided to go with the cooperative strategy rather than another kind of business model? The, these <clears throat> founding fathers, if you will, of Agfinity were a bit ahead of their time. Uh, most of the cooperatives in the United States started in the late 20s and early 30s. So uh, the cooperative-minded approach uh, was, was very much uh, prevalent here in Colorado when these founding founders uh, created Agfinity. Uh, so the cooperative business model, uh, I can't, can't say exactly because I wasn't there at the time, but uh, uh, the cooperative business model has many benefits uh, then just as there are today if we look at the seven cooperative principles. Uh, that go back to the uh, first modern-day cooperative and formed in 1844 in Rochdale, England. Those principles were prevalent uh, in 1905, just as they are today. Uh, and that's really, uh, those principles are, are core to our business and how we operate Agfinity. So making decisions close to the members is a big part of uh, the cooperative advantage. Um, we call it the cooperative difference. If you look at our branding, it's Agfinity, the cooperative difference. We're, we're proud of the fact that we're a cooperative and it's a unique business model um, that, again, had benefits in 1905 and has benefits uh, in 2018. And it's part of our job as leaders of Agfinity um, to make sure we've got another 100 years in us. Uh, so that's, that's what we work on very diligently today. And sometimes we have to go through a period of reinvention and we do that on purpose. Uh, to, to make sure that we're relevant to the producer member. At the end of the day, we're serving farmers uh, who own the cooperative. Uh, we're serving a diverse customer base, but those, those farmers are our core uh, customer base, and we need to ensure that we're relevant to them. So that's where some of the technology offerings come in under the Lynx brand, which is owned by Agfinity. So we're bringing precision agriculture to the farm gate and making that scalable because any, any single producer might be challenged to make some of those investments in technology. So they're cooperative and we're owned by the members uh, can make those investments on their behalf. 
Speaking of reinvention, Brian, sitting here, you're in the process of invention uh, at the very beginning <laughs> yeah. of the of the uh, cooperative process. Tell yeah. us a little bit about the genesis of uh, 63rd Street Farms' new endeavor. Yeah, thanks for ha having me on. Um, it, it, it's pretty interesting the the dramatic uh, uh, opposite end of the spectrum. I feel, um, you know, sitting next to you, Jason, and and. Uh, seeing a hundred year old, over a hundred year old, you know, co-op starting. But what's really interesting was how did it start? It was from the basic need of these farmers coming together as a collective group to, to give themselves an advantage over a single other person, other, other business or whatever competition that they might, or, or the needs that they needed just to, to, to make it happen and you know we started our csa i mean such you know humble beginnings we feel you know it's uh my my wife and i were growing food and didn't know how much to sell it for at first and started a farm stand to go really quick here you know it was started with the farm stand that said pay what you feel you got and that was a real interesting test of the community um sometimes we got paid in letters saying thank you you know and and couldn't pay you today but we'll get you back or something like that or, or you know my family ate today because you know didn't know what I was gonna do and and we start we started talking about hey what is a CSA model you know the CSA model was something that I had always believed in didn't know how, how to really go about doing it but in essence it's like a a small version of a co-op you know we're still the owners of the business and and all of that but what it was was a group of people who appreciated the food we were growing you know we had a list of 35 members in the very beginning and that's kind of how we started and you know we, we took this uh, this idea of what if we just engage families period um, not not go to restaurants, not go to farmers market, not try to do the uh, grocery stores, uh, the the typical ways that farmers would need to do to uh, to to sell their product, and you know with that uh, we, we grew slowly. Um, I I don't think we we grew as as fast as I think most business savvy people think you should be growing or 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 doing maybe the things that you know a, a lot of um, uh, savvy business owners would say is a smart thing to do um you know it took a lot of uh, a balancing out you know with with a, a, another business of ours and 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 really focusing on on trying to grow that base of the C csa core you know as those years went on you know we started thinking and, and now as we we come into really our our co-op that we were in the infancy um we my wife and i have been putting together this uh, idea uh of of what if we get or start with the core? We have 350 families that we feed now, um, once a week for the entire growing season, and and we have we have an audience that is willing to listen to our practices, um, our how we go about taking care of the land. Uh, as Jason said, we were we're a permaculture based farm, so um, you know the 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 earth care, the people care, the fair share, all of that is an important part of, of, of our system and how we um, take care of the land. You take care of the land, you can grow an immense amount of food. And so we, we try to 
to to open up the 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 CSA to this co-op possibility. You know, everybody buys in in the beginning of the year. Um, they get their food throughout the year. We've earned a trust with our families, and we, we get very personal with all our families. We know all their kids. We know, you know, their 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 you know husbands, wives, grandparents. Everybody shows up at the farm for the for the CSA pickup on Thursdays, and and it's it's our community that we've started, and through this we're 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 trying to see how we can adopt this co-op model to further expand what we can do as a community um and it's a small community it's just baby as far as what the amount of food that actually needs to be grown out there you know to feed the masses of people but i think our i think our niche and our our energy and our um belief is to be small and start from that to where you might be able to grow into an agfinity you know and we're, we're you know we're just at that infancy stage and wow what 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 a crazy uh thought it is you know the more my wife and i think about the possibilities of what could could happen and that we might be here in a hundred years from now and and be you know multi-states with this small scale perspective you know to to keep it so you're thinking about a model where the the uh consumer um, uh, members would go from just being a kind of customer to being co-owners in the business. Correct. And you don't have to be a co-op member to be a CSA member. This, the co-op is almost the parent to the CSA, which is, so it's important for us not to, we're not expecting our entire CSA membership to join, jump in on this co-op model. And we don't want that to change. We don't want them to feel any different when they come to the farm. However, we are starting this co-op which might be able to our members invest a little bit more money invest in a little bit more um, um, energy and focus into potentially purchasing more land to to purchasing commercial kitchen you know doing these little small steps that could be a very big impact onto our our core community which then hopefully is 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 is, is, is yeah it's that to replicate that model in a spiderweb sort of a form is kind of the vision. So I always like to think of the cooperative model as a solution to a set of problems, as well as an ethos and set of principles. And Jason, turning back to you, can you tell us about some moments in, in Agfinity's history where the cooperative solution uh, sought to address or helped members get through a particularly challenging point in history and maybe how that was done by revisiting those principles and by recommitting to the cooperative principles. Sure. Thanks for the question. <clears throat> There's many examples of that. Uh, I mentioned the the Lynx brand of technology uh, that lives under the Agfinity umbrella. That's that is an example of scalable technology solutions brought to the farm gate uh, that help producers become more profitable. At the end of the day, we need to ensure that producers are profitable in what they do. So their cooperative helps them them do that and give us a sense why is that important i mean we think we take for granted that our 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 food our our economy functions and and sometimes profit has connotation but why in your opinion is it important that you're able to help farmers sustain 
a profitable business? What does that mean? It's really important. Um, One of the most underreported stories in today's news is the down cycle that we are in the midst of in production agriculture. It wasn't that long ago, less than five years ago, that corn was over $8 a bushel. So if I'm a production agriculture farmer uh, growing corn and selling at $8 a bushel, those economics are pretty good. Today, as of uh, yesterday, uh, corn on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange was $3.80, just to put some perspective around this down cycle in agriculture. And that means same inputs, same same process, 50% of the profit margin. How does a farmer survive? support his family exactly and and that's that's how technology solutions help a a producer uh, be more profitable through maximizing their production on every acre so we're looking at that profitability on a per acre basis breaking it down to the smallest unit uh, is what we help producers do on the uh, crop production side on the dairy side, uh, we're bringing commodities into northern Colorado that are necessary to feed 160,000 dairy cows that live here. Um, and that's a, a wonderful part of our ag economy. Part of that $41 billion in agricultural production in Colorado is uh, brought in through the, the dairy herd in northern Colorado. So that's a, uh, a way that Agfinity connects with uh, dairy producers. So helping them grow forage, that's a high quality, high value for that dairy herd. Uh, and uh, helping them procure other inputs for that that dairy herd as well. Uh, Transferring into the the energy side of the business, Agfinity has invested over the years. We've spent about $30 million in the last five years on assets to serve member needs. And some of those assets have been uh, fuel storage. So in northern Colorado, there are times where we have supply disruptions, and the cooperative can help producer members uh, through that supply disruption by uh, leveraging the, the assets to store fuel and ensuring that when they need the fuel, it's there through their cooperative, regardless of whether the terminal has fuel uh, or not in Denver. So uh, that's yet another way that the cooperative invests on behalf of members uh, to do collectively what they couldn't do individually. Each farmer should not have their own bulk fuel plant. Their cooperative does that for them. So in a way, the cooperative can offer the best of both worlds for your members. They can stay independent. They can operate the scale farm or ranch that they've either inherited or want to be involved with, but they have the economic advantages of a much larger operation. And you're able to look out past the horizon, I suspect, for them and with them. Um, What do you think that means in today's context? Technology is changing so fast. Farmers uh, and ranchers might not have the purview to look so far out into the future. How do you... How do you engage culturally with those types of discussions with your members? What does a typical member convening look and feel like? Sure. Uh, an example that, that, I, that I like to use with regard to, to how do we connect with members, we have a test plot um, just east of Eaton, Colorado, that we call an answer plot. And that's a partnership with Winfield that's part of Land O'Lakes. Um, so this cooperative ecosystem Uh, that Agfinity lives in has uh, large regional cooperatives upstream from us. So we partner with those cooperatives, which is one of the cooperative principles, cooperation amongst cooperatives. Um, And we develop an answer plot, which is a test plot. Um, And we take producers through that test plot and we show them different seed varieties and how they're producing uh, crops throughout the growing season so that they can have those insights uh, through a a test plot uh, through their cooperative uh, that are 
probably difficult for them to, to say, okay, I'm going to build my own test plot and try a bunch of different seed varieties. They're more focused on their profitability, making the selections uh, that they need to make for their crop inputs going into the growing season. So that's, a, I think, a really good example of, of how we can bring those insights to the farm gate that help them focus on what they do best, which is growing corn or producing milk, uh, and the list goes on in production agriculture. And I'd, I'd like also like to, to maybe talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that you mentioned, Brian, in that agriculture is a big tent, and it needs to be a big tent. And at Agfinity, we believe that big tent concept is, is really important. We need production agriculture if we're going to feed 9 billion people by the year 2050, and we need smaller scale production as well. And there's, there's room for both of those underneath that big tent. You're listening to the Co-op Power Hour, a regular feature on KGNU's It's the Economy, a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. I'm Jason Weiner, and I'm joined by Nathan Schneider. We're with you on the fourth Thursday of every month, and today we're talking about Colorado cooperatives and agriculture. Coming up, we'll be hearing from Jason Brantzel, CEO of Agfinity, and Brian Scott, co-founder of 63rd Street Farm. You're back with the Colorado Co-op Power Hour, a regular feature on KGNU's It's the Economy, a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. I'm your host, Jason Weiner, and I'm joined by Nathan Schneider. We're with you on the fourth Thursday of every month, and today we're talking about agriculture and cooperatives. We're joined by Jason Bransell, CEO and President of Agfinity, and Brian Scott, co-founder of 63rd Street Farm. We left off our last segment talking about the big tent uh, notion of agriculture, uh, not just in Colorado, but I'm sure in communities around the country. Um, Brian, what does that mean to you? How do you view the spectrum of agriculture and cooperation from kind of a small startup, consumer-oriented CSA? And how, what, what about Jason's story kind of resonates with you, uh, gives you ideas or inspiration? Um, well, the what what gives me inspiration is that the 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 model can 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 work in longevity uh that it is a something that uh is proven and yet it still seems to be like new talk uh, and I, I the more we we my wife and I uh talk about it uh you know she grew up in, in on the east coast and she's like all farmers were cooperative members that's the way it used to be you know um it they they share their equipment they share their knowledge they you know go and and they they talk to one another and and you know see their tricks see their their inventions <laughs> you know back then there's a lot of inventions we're inventing a lot on the farm on a regular basis not from this big huge business uh, engineering standpoint and you know um the branding of, of certain products or whatnot but more of like a we got to get this done. Um, you know, it's, it, I think that both sides are needed though. And, and it, it's, it's a, you know, I hear both sides of the story too. And, you know, really, I think we, we do what we are capable of doing, what we have the energy to do and what we, what, what is presented to work with. 
And um, there are so many people in this world that need to be fed. And, and you know, to take the smaller scale approach um, that, that we're, we're doing more, the small family farm, trying to pay for the family farm with what we can grow on the family farm. And that's really how it started. How do we just pay f for our, our lifestyle and, and to live in the country um, and appreciate where we are? Um, but with this, we're, I th my wife and I, and, and through this permaculture model, we really believe that a lot of small scale and a lot of, of, of intention around small local farmers continuing that old world method um, picks up a whole other side of the uh, the amount of food that 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 is being consumed um, I think that there's a lot of uh, concern that that we have on on how the land is being treated to grow a lot of food um, the, the land can't sustain too much uh, uh, impact before it can rejuvenate. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for a large scale to always be innovating and to be trying to be uh, earth conscious and trying to uh, make sure that we, we are being responsible with all of that. And, and because my wife and I aren't you know, in that, that, that arena, we say, okay, well, we're not going to use any inputs. Everything is by hand. You know, we just bought a tractor the other, you know, this year after 10 years. Um, and people look at it. We're a postage stamp of a farm. When when I'm in this conversation talking about, you know, you're in tw 20 districts or something. You said? Assets in 22 locations. 22 locations. Northern Colorado. It, it's, it's, that's a lot of people that need to get fed. And that's why that business is there. And so, it, and, and from our perspective, we're trying to, 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 to hopefully inspire and hopefully keep the consciousness of, of yes, we, to, to, to be able to scale it up um, and, and, and to be able to feed an, an amazing amount of people is, is a tough challenge. And, and you know, it's, it's amazing. Some of the practices that we'll do is, is by hand, by employing people, we, we employ more people than we do our equipment. You know, there, there, there's a there's a whole whole other you know side to that. The jobs that I think need to be created and ag needs to be uh, continued to be passed passed on and through our our, our farmers. Um, we don't have enough farmers. You know, we've talked about the the fact that the age of the farmer is is so is getting to the point where they, their backs aren't holding out. I mean, I'll tell you, you know, our backs are, are, are having a hard time doing things by hand. And so I understand the, the, the other side of it. But, you know, the knowledge has to continue to be taught. And we, we are really striving to have an educational program with our co-op, you know, to and get these young farmers in and show them the old world techniques. And there are tensions here, right? I mean, I think we want to highlight that and, and 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 bring it forward a little bit i mean the the history of ag co-ops has some ironies in it right started often in cases where you have family farms coming together doing things like 
pooling resources to bring electricity, you know, bring in more more inputs, as we say, right? Mm -hmm. You know, fertilizers and, you know, other kinds of technologies that enable, that ease the work of farming. Mm -hmm. And through that process, co-ops actually facilitated the industrialization of agriculture, right? When, once you get electricity on that farm, you know, you can start bringing in some large machines and maybe you need less human labor, you Mm -hmm. know, as part of that input process. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, you know, we see, uh, uh, over the last few decades, a generation where co-ops have been part of the process of creating new markets that actually might steer in, a, in the other direction, right? Uh, CSA model is one example of that, right? Creating a, a market for a small family farm, right? And then also uh, 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 examples like Organic Valley, right? Where you create a large ag co-op that helps support organic production, Right. And, and becomes a kind of insurgency. Right. In the context of uh, of, you know, highly industrialized, um, you know, uh, 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 agriculture. So, you know, I'm curious, uh, uh, Jason, if you could say more about when you talk about that big tent, how do you hold those tensions? You know, how do you um, you know, we're, we're seeing conflicts in, you know, in co-ops around the country where where you know, suddenly you've got large, you know, their members have become large corporations, right? Uh, you know, large businesses, not just family farms, you know, and, and, you know, the family farms are in some cases feeling kind of squeezed out of the co-op. I think uh, that <clears throat> that big tent concept uh, is, is very, very much prevalent in our thought pattern in agriculture, in production agriculture, and in the cooperative space. And it's important uh, to have large cooperatives, small cooperatives, diverse cooperatives, and and that's our our belief at Agfinity. And as we look across the cooperative system here in the United States, there's about a thousand cooperatives like Agfinity throughout the United States. And we see continued consolidation of those companies as well to maintain their relevance at the farm gate and to, to be viable and sustainable as businesses. We face many of the same issues as any other business around attracting and retaining talent and developing, uh, developing that talent within the organization. So as an example, at Agfinity, we partner with the Gallup organization on employee engagement. We have a strengths finder culture where we're playing to the strengths of our employee base. And, uh, and those things are important for a viable business, whether it's a, a larger scale cooperative or a small scale business. These are, these are concepts that are fairly universal. Um, so you mentioned Organic Valley, uh, great story. Western Wisconsin uh, cooperative that uh, that serves members in in the organic production of milk, and that's that's a fantastic story. It's a great cooperative, uh, and uh, and Agfinity is part of that ecosystem as well. I'd mentioned earlier the that upstream cooperative concept. Um, so some of the the larger companies that I think you're referring to would be the Land Lakes, the CHSs of the world, and these are. Land Lakes is a Fortune 200 company. Uh, CHS is a Fortune 100, 100 company. They're both cooperatives. They're, they're businesses that happen to be cooperatives, and, uh, and they very much embrace those cooperative principles. So if we go back to those principles around member economic participation, when CHS is profitable, they pay us a patronage refund at Agfinity in connection with the amount of business volume that we do with them. Same thing with the members of Agfinity. When we're profitable at Agfinity, we pay our members those profits through patronage refunds, and we do equity retirements as well, which is a portion of those patronage refunds that are earned. So I mentioned uh, $30 million of investment 
in the last five years to, to in assets to serve member needs. We've also sent $8 million in cash back to members uh, during that same five-year period. Um, so that's a, a really great story to tell, and it, it's how that economic impact of a, of a slightly larger scale cooperative uh, can have a real positive benefit at the farm gate when those patronage refund uh, checks arrive. And we're doing an equity retirement this week. We're paying out $1.1 million to members for business that they did 10 years ago with us. And, th and that goes back to something Brian said earlier, right, which is about that process of transitioning the customer from that customer mindset to an investor mindset, you know, and to change the meaning of the word investor, you know, from being, you know, a kind of um, casino game where you're, where you're, um, you know, betting on some distant company based on some kind of abstract uh, decision structure with the sole purpose of obtaining a financial return to uh, a, a move where investment becomes something individuals and families can do in the enterprises that they depend on, right? That's a mm. totally different meaning, you know, mm -hmm. same word, but different mm. meaning that the cooperative Completely. model makes possible. Well, you mentioned uh, casinos, which triggers a thought on risk. And mm -hmm. farmers face a tremendous amount of risk every single day. Uh, and, and it could be commodity price fluctuation, like we talked about earlier, with $8 corn and $3.80 uh, corn. Um, it could be uh, weather risk. It could be um, all uh, acquisition and retention of labor. I mean, these are all risks that apply to the farm gate. Uh, investment in technology is, is a risk as well if they pick the wrong horse in that race. Um, so as we, as we approach the farm gate at Agfinity, we help our producer members deal with that risk. So if a producer member is growing corn, we can, through our Colorado Commodities Division, help them market that corn and they can set a strike price. Let's say their their profitability level at their farm is $4.30 a bushel for corn. They can work with our Colorado commodities team that watches the market every single day and helps them hit that strike price so that they can be out doing what they do best every single day, growing a crop or milking cows and not be watching those markets. We do that for them on their behalf. And that's a, that's a transfer of risk in a, in a sense and a mitigation of risk through their cooperative. You know, it strikes me that um, while both of our guests may use slightly different terminology, the underlying ethos remains very much consistent. Uh, you know, the idea of risk distribution, the idea of operating and leveraging business activity at different scales, uh, and the idea of economic participation, in many ways, these are elements of a permaculture system of sustainability. And while it may not be the, the the terminology, I think so many of these principles really do come back to the cooperative principles and ethos. Um, Brian, I, I'd invite you in hearing uh, about this this notion of risk at the at the macro level, <laughs> if you wouldn't mind indulging us in uh, the story of how the CSA helped to distribute risk at your farm during the epic floods in 2013. Yeah, that's that's that is the the that proved it to us. Um, we, that flood came right through our back door, literally. Um, we lost all of our food. And when it comes to the risk side of it, our insurance policy was our families. They 
didn't leave us in a time of need. We were actually able to open up the next season. Um, if we were selling to a uh, grocery store or if we were selling to a restaurant and we said, we're, we're out of food, they're going to say, well, okay, we're going to go to this guy and we're going to get our food. Um, our families were, were, were resilient with us and it was probably the thing that actually might have given us the understanding that they they've been here with us from day one so if we open our business up to this cooperative model maybe they just might be with us a little bit more and the bank or whatever won't take our farm because we lost everything and you know you 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 mentioned that you have the where you know that 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 rang true it's like if, if 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 a if a certain farmer is having a bad season because it's all risk we there's no there's no backup plan you know you have to put down a mortgage on your farm or sell your farm and most of these farmers that are getting older now are at that point of selling their farm because there's no one to pass this knowledge or this this uh land onto that's going to see it how they do and the the, the the i i think that really gives as far as my wife and i the confidence to to say actually the co-op just might minimize this risk the co-op probably will minimize this risk because we know that our csa minimized our risk they were our own insurance policy and we didn't there was nothing but faith saying that that was going to happen. You know, of course we have the contract with everybody, you know, if we, you know, if if mother nature comes in, there's nothing we can do. No, we can't afford to pay you back your money. And and as business owners, we're we're like that's ridiculous. That's crazy. You know, it's like people want their, you know, their 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 value or their money back. And and we didn't know if we were going to even have a business the next the next year. And what what you're describing is actually the genesis of the insurance industry in this country, right? These people with your experience, you know, who had to pool that risk and uh, and that gave birth to an industry that now has, you know, is in in many cases demutualized or, you know, isn't always putting forward that cooperative identity the way Agfinity is. Mm -hmm. Um, But still, this is uh, this is you know where it all came from is that mm-hmm. that experience well, i think i think those are key segments of the the cooperative um, development in the united states you mentioned mutual insurance companies rural electric associations uh, farm supply grain marketing cooperatives uh, th- these are the backbone of rural america mm-hmm. and um, over time these organizations have been able to take the long-term view i mentioned chs and land lakes these are large-scale Fortune 200, Fortune 100 firms, and they're also able to take the long-term view because they're not focused on a quarterly earnings report. They're focused on the long-term sustainability and viability of agriculture in the United States. You're listening to the Co-op Power Hour, a regular feature on KGNU's It's the Economy, a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. I'm Jason Weiner, and my co-host today is Nathan Schneider. We're with you on the fourth Thursday of every month, and today we're talking about agriculture and cooperatives. 
Coming up, we'll be hearing more from our guests Jason Bransell of Agfinity and Brian Scott of 63rd Street Farm. to the Colorado Co-op Power Hour, a regular feature on KGNU's It's the Economy, a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. I'm Jason Weiner, and I'm joined today by Nathan Schneider. We're with you on the fourth, fourth Thursday of every month, and today we're talking about agriculture and cooperatives. We're joined by Jason Bransell, CEO and President of Agfinity, and Brian Scott, co-founder of 63rd Street Farm. Jason, can you talk a little bit about the forces that are impacting the agriculture sector today outside of the Colorado, outside, excuse me, of the cooperative sector. What are you up against? Uh, not just you as a cooperative, but you, any producer in agriculture today? I would say one of, one of the primary um, forces in agriculture today outside of Colorado that has a national and, and multinational footprint is the consolidation of some of the major players in our space. Um, so that that creates a, a different size and scale upstream from Agfinity, if you will. So we have to uh, be very astute in how we approach our business in procuring crop inputs and, and other uh, supplies for our members. And we also have to maintain relevance and, and grow as a, as a company, as a cooperative uh, at the same time. So that's that consolidation of our industry. Uh, we've seen it in every industry across this land and we're seeing it in agribusiness as well. So that's that's a very relevant uh, aspect of the future. And as we build, continue to build Agfinity, we ensure that we're, we're relevant at the farm gate and relevant to those large scale uh, basic manufacturers upstream from us. And Brian, what, do you, what factors do you feel every day when you wake up? What are some of the things hedging against um, your 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 business on a daily or or seasonal basis um well there's always the weather <laughs> um you, you know uh, i i i i think that it, it it's uh we're a lot simpler in in how we think um on on what 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 we worry about um we the things that 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 are are challenging in in, in that is we'll give you a minute and we'll come yeah. back to that one thing that occurs to me throughout this discussion is the timelessness of co-op principles and in thinking about the factors that face farmers every day coming back to these principles and values gives a foothold, gives a foundation for thinking about how to plan for the future. I'm wondering in light of industry consolidation, in light of cooperative consolidation, in light of the epic transition taking place in agriculture, in farmland, um, just a few months ago, for instance, uh, outside of agriculture, the members of True Value voted to demutualize and sell to a private equity firm. These are they're significant forces at every scale. And I'm curious how we can and should look to cooperative principles to reground us, reset our foundation for the future. Jason, how do you how do you look at that? How do you find grounding 
in, in your planning work? I believe a big part of that is is taking the long-term view and leveraging the governance model within the cooperative system. We have a nine-member board of directors that uh, helps lead Agfinity into the future, today and into the future. Those are producer members elected by the members of the cooperative. And that's uh, that, that governance model is key to the cooperative system. And it helps us take that long-term view and it helps us make decisions that are close to the members. So as you look at the, the true value conversion um, and, uh, and a movement away from the cooperative model, uh, that's really not focused on the members of the cooperative, obviously, because it's, it's moving away from the cooperative model. A continued focus at Agfinity uh, on the members and leveraging that governance model is, is what helps us uh, stay true to those cooperative principles. Brian, what principles or values guide your thinking about the new chapter in 63rd Street Farm and setting up a co-op? Uh, we're, we're trying to just broaden, broaden our, our base of, of people that believe like-minded, uh, um, people who, who, who understand our way of how we're going about feeding our community, um, buying into the principles and the outlook of, of what what we feel is getting back to the basics. Um, and it, it's hard to kind of see that, that cone effect of what that can actually do. Um, I believe that it's something that needs to be done. Um, I believe that it helps keep everybody grounded um, by actually paying attention to the ground. And, and you know, I think that we're trying to just show show a a way to where people can, as a community, as small. I mean, we're we're ten to twenty mile radius of the people that we're we're feeding, and 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 the need for a five hundred five thousand mile radius is also important. Um, and I think at if if we can show a model to where the business can sustain itself, you know, the farmers can get paid i mean there's there's it's it, that's one of the reasons why it's so hard for the farming industry to 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 continue with these old world techniques you know um the smaller scale but the smaller scale can also feed an exponential amount of people per square foot and and you know some a, a lot of the water's being taken up by the large municipalities and by all these uh, larger scale businesses and corporations and and you know these our, our our land seems to be you know getting dried up and so if as a small little little part of 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 um, the ag community if we can somehow pool our our resources together to help secure another piece of land and get another farmer out there to practice, you know, the, the, the regenerative systems of agriculture that, that used to be practiced. Maybe there, there is a, at least that, that, uh, old world knowledge that is going to maintain a thread in how the future of ag is going to be. And, and I think that's our, our humble hope. 
you know, <laughs> we're, 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 we're dealing with a huge topic and we're about as small as you can be. But, you know, what we always say is it's, it's work worth doing. And if you, as long as we can keep our, our, our roof over our head and our members happy with like truly like fed happy with the quality high-end quality of of what actually comes out of our ground you 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 see the appreciation and you know for people like my wife and i that's 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 enough mm-hmm. well i'm curious about how, you know you're describing a process by which this model enables you to have a different relationship with technology you know than might otherwise be expected, you know, through the relationships with your community, you're able to make decisions about how you're going to do your farming, uh, that, uh, other kinds of farmers might not be able to make, right. Mm-hmm. Because they don't have those direct relationships. You know, as you said before, it took they a might... long time to develop those, of those course. relationships. And of that's, course. that's like, that's unquantifiable. And the, the grocery store might not care. You know, they might they not don't. allow you to do that, <laughs> to do it your way, yeah. right? But I'm, I'm curious, you know, uh, to turn this to Jason too, yeah. you know, we're at a moment where, um, you know, there's a lot of interest in the data that, that farmers are producing, right? That these machines are spitting out uh, just by uh, the second you turn them on, you know? And, uh, and other ways in which technology is transforming agriculture right now. You talked earlier about, uh, kind of placing bets on technology. Um, are there any ways in which your, the cooperative model enables you, uh, working at this larger scale, to think about technology differently than uh, uh, than than other kinds of companies might? Well, I would say that it starts with that connection to the grower and and understanding uh, what's important to them. It, we have to be out there solving some problem for them, whether it's increasing production or dealing with uh, something that's. Uh, um, uh, uh, causing them uh, disruption in their business. So, with regard to the technology, we can we can distill that down to um, those technologies that can transfer into increased profitability on the acre, and that's how the the cooperative uh, can do that on behalf of members um, through our network uh, within the the cooperative system and outside of the cooperative system. Uh, to to bring that into something that's that's scalable to their operation, um, and I, that's a tremendous benefit uh, of of co- the cooperative system today in the the era of big data, and we all have a plethora of data that's available. Farmers have more data than they probably want to have these days, and and so we can take that data and distill it down into insights for the farmer. And that's a tremendously valuable transfer of knowledge to the farm gate that happens through a robust cooperative like Agfinity. Yeah, and we've seen some moves actually where I think the rest of the world should be watching, where where there are some developments in, in ag where farmers are uh, saying, no, we're not gonna give our data to some distant company, we're gonna manage it in our own cooperative. And, you know, that's something that, you know, Gmail users might consider, you know, mm-hmm. like uh, that's something that we might consider in in many more areas of life where farmers are once again kind of leading the way and saying, you know, no, this stuff uh, should be ours, you know, and we should we should control it and we should, you know, uh, reap the benefits. I'd like for each of our guests to, in, in a sentence, leave us with the imprint you hope 
your story leaves on our listeners? What about your cooperative story do you want people to take away and understand is most important to you and should be important to, to our listeners? From, from an Agfinity perspective, we don't tell our story enough and we don't get our message out there enough. And a program like this is, is a valuable way to convey that cooperative story. It, it's one of the United States' greatest stories and we need to tell it more than we do. And um, so that's, that's somewhat uh, focused on the past and the present and the future is around continuing to tell that story and investing in cooperatives, small scale cooperatives, larger scale cooperatives. It is a big tent. Uh, we need to be inclusive in the cooperative space and in the agricultural space and and really promote the cooperative business model. There are distinct advantages that the cooperative difference is is the real deal. And especially when we compare ourselves to to other investor-owned businesses, they're they're fine organizations as well, but the cooperative difference is is unique. And uh, when we're profitable, paying those patronage refunds back to our, our members in connection with the amount of business that they do and helping them scale technology uh, and assets to to deliver value to the farm gate and to the the businesses that that do business with cooperatives uh, like Agfinity, uh, that's that's a really big deal. That's way more than one sentence. My apologies, but uh, uh, there's a big story to tell there, and we need to get really good at telling that story. And it's it's a time in our country when cooperatives have a a great place. And I feel that we're at a point of reinvention for cooperatives and we're at a tipping point where we're going to gain wonderful momentum moving forward with all types of cooperatives. And how can our listeners learn more about Agfinity? What's your website URL? Our website is agfinityinc.com. That's agfinity, no space, inc. Correct. Dot com. A-G-F-I-N-I-T-Y-I-N-C.com. Thank you. Brian, I'm going to hold you to the one sentence. What's the imprint you want listeners to take away in thinking about your story? Um, The imprint is that, you know, we think that there's an advantage to to the co-op, and we believe in the advantage of the co-op because we've seen it with our our community already. And, you know, we'd like to, to... to bring it back to the people, the small community, to to the small, to to the smaller scale, care of, of 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 our of our families, and we hope that that just catches on in in an exponential way, you know, to to get big, but to still stay small. Well, thank you so much to Jason Bransell, CEO and President of Agfinity, and to Brian Scott co-founder of 63rd Street Farm. You've been listening to the Co-op Power Hour on Colorado on KGNU's It's the Economy, a production of the Colorado Co-op Study Circle. You can catch us on the fourth Thursday of every month. I've been your host, Jason Weiner, and I've been joined by Nathan Schneider. We'd like to thank our guests this evening, again, Jason Bransell of Agfinity and Brian Scott of 63rd Street Farm. You can find more about them at their websites, agfinityinc.com, and 63rdstreetfarm.com. Please share this and previous episodes at our website, coloradocoops.info. Thanks for tuning in to the Co-op Power Hour on It's the Economy. Nathan, what are some of the upcoming events that our listeners should be looking out for? Well, you can uh, always follow our uh, upcoming meetups through the website, coloradocoops.info. One thing that's really getting into gear is uh, a group has been forming a... uh, 
uh, local co-op investment club, um, and uh, uh, and it's uh, allowing people to again, you know, as we were talking about before, transform the meaning of investment by really participating economically uh, in businesses and in, in their community, especially in new co-ops and startups. Uh, and this is really exciting. And then also, um, I you know, I teach over at CU, uh, University of Colorado Boulder, and and uh, we're hosting an event on November 7th uh, called the Colorado Shared Ownership Summit. And the goal of this is to bring together, uh, you know, the big old co-ops in our state that have been anchors of our uh, regional economy together with a lot of young people and, and people of all sorts who are uh, starting a new generation of co-ops in our communities uh, and uh, helping them see each other, see the amazing things that one another are doing. And you can learn more about that now at uh, uh, the website, which there's a short link that's leads for the lead school of business dot ly slash shared dash ownership, um, uh, or just search for the Colorado Shared Ownership Summit. But hope to see you all there. And maybe we'll put a link to that on the website. Well, this is Jason Weiner. Thank you so much. Go support your local credit union, mutual insurance company, uh, and say thank you to your Rural Electric Association.